are going to be talking about the return of Jesus over these next four weeks, and I'm excited about it. I hope you'll get excited about it too. And today, my goal is just to give you a basic outline of an overview from Matthew 24 and 25, but uh, we're going to go into some more details over the weeks, talking about uh, the, uh, the Antichrist, the harlot Babylon religion that's going to come into the earth, um, what the church and Israel and their, their role is going to be in the end times, and also um, when Jesus comes back and he sets up his millennial reign on the earth and heaven fully comes down and manifests on the earth. So it'll be fun. The return of Jesus. This topic, this reality is something that greatly occupied the hearts and the minds of the first century church. John the Baptist steps on the scene and announces this good news. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then we see this man from Nazareth named Jesus come out of a wilderness, 40 days of fasting and prayer with the same message. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus talked about this kingdom all the time, but he didn't just talk about it because the kingdom of God is not just in talk, but it's in power. And he healed the sick, and he cast out demons, and he raised the dead. And he was demonstrating how the kingdom of heaven was coming to invade the physical, earthly, material realm. And as he's doing this, the disciples are watching him. This little band of 20-year-olds are following this 30-year-old bearded man around, talking about the kingdom and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And as they're starting to see these things, they're remembering the scriptures that their Hebrew prophets had talked about and all these signs of the coming of the Messiah and the setting up of his governmental reign on the earth. And so they're starting to see the kingdom of God manifest in power over sickness and over Satan. But something in their minds is still sitting there because they're expecting him to come and take his seat in Jerusalem and govern the universe from that city for all of eternity. And for the kingdom of heaven to fully invade and to infiltrate every aspect of society, every nation, every people group every heart of every individual for all of eternity. And they are gripped with this. So they said, Jesus, when? 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 We like to know when things are going to happen. When are we going to get to the park, Mom? Are we there yet to Disneyland? (laughs) When am I going to find the spouse of my dreams? (laughs) When are the promises of God that I heard last year and five years ago and ten years ago? When, Lord? How long, oh, Lord? When, 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 when? We like the question, when. Another question, though, that I wonder if we're asking very often is, how do we prepare? How do we prepare? How do we prepare for the promises of God that he's been speaking over our lives for 5, 10, 15, 20 years? How do we prepare for this day that he's spoken of? Because I tell you that the day of the Lord and the return of Jesus is the most important day for us to be preparing for. So when, how to prepare. I think both of these questions are very important. 
And when it comes to preparing for something, knowing when something is going to happen very much affects our day-to-day and how we're getting ready for that event to occur. And um, two things can happen. When we, it, when we don't know when something is going to happen, we, we, we'll be prone to, on one end, to just say, oh, it'll come at some various point and, and be very lax in our preparation for that event. And then when it comes, we're not either fully enjoying the fullness of it because there were things that, that we weren't prepared for or, or we're, we're or in a negative sense, we're suffering unnecessary loss because we didn't get things in order before that day came. On the other end, we're hearing that an event's going to happen and we get in all kinds of panic. Thinking, ah, the day of the Lord's coming, it could happen in any moment. Jesus come back in any minute, minute. I better scramble and get things together. And in our panic creates anxiety, creates fear, creates despair, and, and we actually start preparing in a way that is not wisdom. Christmas. We all love Christmas, right? The day and the hour of Christmas we know. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jesus says, you will, no one knows the day or the hour of my return, but we do know the day and the hour of Christmas. 12 o'clock, December 25th, happens every single year been happening for hundreds of years. However, Christmas is a season. It's a time frame. And we begin to see the signs of Christmas happening long before, long before. It's like getting earlier and earlier, actually. Long before it happens. And and you and I know the signs of Christmas so well that we could go this entire year without a calendar in front of us and some point down the road, we would begin to see things that tell us, oh, Christmas is around the corner. It's here. The music starts changing in the stores. The, the uh, People start putting up lights. The Black Friday sales, people get really angry about what they want to buy for one day of the year. <laughs> and then they get really generous all of a sudden the next day. Um, it's just really weird season. Um, Weather's changing, music's changing, people changing, all kinds of things changing. And, 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 and all for this one day to enjoy. Now, they might sound like a silly, trivial comparison, but it's really the same idea. We don't know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but we can know the season. And we can know the time frame. And knowing that time frame is going to be really important to how we prepare. Because knowing that time does two things. It creates urgency. Makes us a little more serious about how we're preparing for something when we know it's going to happen. And it brings us hope and motivation and joy because it's, we're expecting something good. Christmas is a celebration. And I tell you, the day of the Lord is a celebration. There will be all kinds of celebration. The day of the Lord is great. But there's another extreme the Bible talks about. Very terrible. The day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And we need to be prepared for both extremes. Amen? The nation of Israel, in the days of Isaiah, 
all kinds of horrible things are happening at the government, at the political, at the religious level in the nation of Israel. And a prophet named Isaiah comes in and he says, these Babylonians are coming. And they will strike down this nation. And he prophesied something that didn't happen in his lifetime. And he said, here's what's coming. Here's how to prepare. And nobody listened. A few decades later, a young teenager named Jeremiah comes up to the temple, starts prophesying the same message. Babylon is coming and they're going to strike down this nation. And no one listened. And it took them like a thief in the night. That's the very terrible side of it. The great side. Some of you are familiar, I'm sure many of you are familiar, with the Toronto outpouring that happened in the 90s in Canada. And um, a lot of great things really happened there. The Father's love was being poured out in a way we haven't seen in all of history. The, the, a renewal, a refreshing, an outpouring was touching the lives of so many people. And it still affected multitudes of believers today. And, and, and in fact, many of the leading ministries in America and even in different parts of the world um, have been either birthed out of or highly influenced by that renewal in the 90s. Heidi Baker's out in Mozambique. Her ministry is leading millions to Jesus. It was at that renewal and outpouring that she got slammed by the Holy Spirit for seven days <laughs> and is so infused with the love and power of God, ready to go back and gather harvest in Africa. Um, that was great. And if you actually read through a bit of the, what happened in the Toronto outpouring, there were people that were expecting it and knew it was coming soon. There were intercessors fasting and praying. There were people crying out for this. And there was an energy around it where they knew that the time frame was very soon. And then when it hit, oh, it's here, it's here, it's here. What God's been promising is here, it's here. They kept their hearts in hope for what he had promised. And they had positioned their hearts in a way that was ready to receive. Because something great was poured out, but I tell you, some very unexpected things happened in that renewal as well. People flopping around on the ground, shaking, making weird sounds and doing weird things. And, and, and nobody knew what to do with this. And it was, it was so bizarre what was happening. And some of you have probably seen some of that somewhere, probably here, um, <laughs> similar things. <laughs> and you look at it. <laughs> I love our leaders. They're so hungry for anything that God has. <laughs> Um, but people would look at this and they would say, that's not God. But it was God. Some people probably exaggerated, maybe a number of people exaggerated, but God was moving. And the people that weren't prepared for the greatness of that event let their hearts get critical and judgmental and they shut out a move of God. And some people still today are so critical of that move of God that it was one of the best things that's ever happened in North America. We need to be prepared for a visitation. So Jesus, when? When is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? We'll be in Matthew 24 and 25, and I'm not going to read through most of it, um, so you can, you're welcome to follow along, but just know Matthew 24 and 25, these are really non-negotiable chapters when it comes to understanding the, 
events related to the Lord's return and how to prepare. So Matthew 24, when, when he's asked that question, when is it going to happen? He says, watch for these things. Watch for these signs. And he gives us four major places to watch. The first one is the world. Say the world. Thank you. The world, he said, look for wars, rumors of wars, diseases, famines, earthquakes, kingdom rising against kingdom and nation against nation. I I made up an alliteration today. Disaster, destruction, disease. That's what we can expect to see in the world before the Lord's return. Um, How many of you felt the earthquake on Tuesday? That was my first earthquake I've felt experienced in my life. I've lived in Dallas my whole life, and I know a number have been hitting the Irving area um, over the past few months, but that was the first one that Matthew Esquivel has actually ever personally felt. I'm like, I thought just the washer and dryer had exploded or something, but I was like, oh my, that was an earthquake in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. But some of these earthquakes that have hit in the recent years have been, and, and, and natural disasters have been in extremes. We remember Hurricane Katrina. How devastated an entire city and relocated people in all parts of the nation. Um, we remember uh, 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 in, in Thailand, um, in, and then the Japan tsunami in 2011, where 16,000 people were killed, 6,000 injured. Haiti in 2010, 316,000 people killed in one day. And 300,000 more injured. One event. We have seen more wars over the past 100 years than we have in all of human history, including two world wars. World War II claimed the lives of, of an estimated 50 to 60 million people. Genocide in Darfur, Uganda, Sudan, civil war in Syria, and of course, 9-11 terrorist attack in America. Um, Just this past December in Pakistan, a school was attacked. 145 kids were killed. Just this week, Paris office of a French satirical, 12 people were killed. Just today, was reported in Nigeria, an estimated 2,000 people killed by a radical Islamist group. Today, that was in the news. Friends, we're seeing these things happen, and, and, um, and the, uh, the temptation when we see these is going to be trouble and fear and anxiety. But Jesus tells us to respond when you see these things happen, do not be troubled. Do not fear. These are the beginnings of the birth pangs. And so what happens with birth pangs, any moms in here? You feel the birth pangs start, Samuel, giving birth to five children. Um, they start out, the, the, the contractions start, but as the baby comes nearer and nearer, they increase in frequency and intensity. And we're seeing these signs increase in frequency and intensity. But Jesus' words are, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They may alarm us, and we may wrestle through some of this, but I think one of the most important words for the Lord for us right now is Psalm 91. 
Psalm 91.6 right now has been really highlighted to me. Is do not fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness and the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Friends, destruction is going to increase and pestilence is going to increase. But Jesus says, do not walk in fear. Learn to hide in the shadow of my wings because a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 will fall at your left. But no, but it shall not come near you. Okay, God is sending angelic activity to come and aid the saints in this hour. And we're going to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the evil one. Amen. Do not fear. Watch out in the world, too, for false messiahs that will rise up and deceive many. People that will see these disasters and say, buy into me, buy into my opinion, buy into my way of doing these things, and you'll be saved from these troubles and these disasters. No. That was number one. The church is number two. Say the church. The church. Jesus said in the church we can expect to see um, a persecution of saints. He said, you will be handed over, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. Um, ooh, that's not very fun. Um, we see persecution happening all over the world right now. And most of it's actually happening in, in countries that are under some kind of Islamic or communist regime. And um, both of which are seeking to spread and conquer all, all, all parts of the earth. Um, so persecution, and, and, and there have been incredible testimonies of people in the midst of persecution and God miraculously delivering them. So I don't want to downplay that part, and I don't want to create a sense of fear about persecution, but I want us, our hearts to be ready and steady for that event. Um, because of the persecution, betrayal is going to happen. And offense is going to stir up in the hearts of the people of God. And the love of many will grow cold. Some translations say the love of most will grow cold. Friends, Satan has never been able to destroy the church from the outside. Persecution has always, 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 always made the church stronger has always resulted in more unity, has always birthed more signs and wonders, has always brought in a greater harvest. Come on. <laughs> Friends, God's, God's getting his bride one way or another. And the enemy will rage against, but he cannot destroy her from the outside. The only way he can get to her is from within. And I tell you, the biggest threat to the, to the earth right now and to the people of God right now is not ISIS. It's offense. You know, we're, we're, we have so many churches in this very city, which I'm very thankful for. Because when this harvest comes in, they're going to need plenty of places to go. <laughs> this little building is not going to hold all of Dallas. <laughs> you know? We need the church down the street. We need the Presbyterian. We need the Catholic. We need the Episcopal. We need the Baptist. We need them all. All hands on deck in this harvest, right? Um, however, we've taken a bit advantage of that, that we come into one church and we get a little offended. 
and we go on to the next. And we carry that offense into a new community. And that bitter root that defiled the last place we were starts to defile the new place we were. Guys, do not let offense stay in your heart. I guarantee you every single church, Christian community, whatever that you walk into, you will have multiple opportunities to be offended. But you also have multiple opportunities to release mercy and grace and forgiveness and to walk in love and unity. Unity is what burned in the heart of Jesus, that he prayed before the Father right before he died. Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. And Satan is attacking the unity of the church because Jesus said, when they are one, Father, as you and I are one, then the world will know that you sent me and they will know that you loved, that I've loved them even as you have loved me. The gospel and the love of God is going to pour out in this earth in unprecedented measures when the church decides to forgive one another. Rid your heart of offense. So we talked about some negative things within the church, but also very positive things as a harvest. I love how we just watched this video of Reinhard Bonnke, because he was actually in my notes to refer, is that he's just hundreds of thousands and millions, 72 million people coming to Jesus. Heidi Baker, <laughs> I love her. I mean, she's this, it's not the only one that's doing anything, but uh, she's my favorite. Um, so <laughs> you're going to hear me talk about her a lot. She is just, through Iris Ministries, has led over a million people to Jesus since her encounter in Toronto. I mean, guys, in, in, in what we're hearing about um, the, the terror of Islam in various places in the Middle East, something we're not hearing that Voice of the Martyrs is actually reporting well, is that multitudes of people are running away from Islam and running to Jesus. Now, I, we, when Todd Bentley came, he, he, we showed this video in Pakistan of someone preaching the gospel and the people just falling under the power of God and many Muslims crying out to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's saving the Muslims. He is gathering harvest of souls in this day. It has begun and it will increase. And then, Jesus said, the end will come. This gospel will go out to every single nation and then the end will come. Evangelical missions organizations are now conservatively, conservatively projecting that the gospel will have reached every single people group, every single language as soon as 2015 to 2032. I'm sorry, 2025. Did I say 2015? 20, 2025 to 2032. We're in 2015. Um, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Hope you're ready. <laughs> One of my angels is like, <clears throat> <laughs> could have been a really confusing sermon. Um, 2025 to 2032. That's 10 years away. 10, 15, 20 years away. And then the end will come. We are very close approaching that then. Release at the comma. All my grammar nerd friends got that one. 
Okay, Jesus says, false prophets are going to arise and deceive many during this time. Calling out peace and safety and sudden destruction is going to come on them. And there is false prophets in the media, in the political realm, even in pulpits and churches that are compromising on the truth of who Jesus is and on his moral standards. And friends, I am in fear when these kind of things are being preached in churches of immorality and a compromising that leads people into idolatry and rejecting Jesus is the only way. Jesus visited John and said, I have this message for a church, a little community of people in, in modern-day Turkey, first-century church, and says, there's a woman, Jezebel, in your church, a young prophetess, and she's teaching my people and seducing them to sexual immorality and to eating food sacrificed to idols, idolatry. He said, I gave her time to repent, but she didn't want to, so I'm going to throw her on a bed of sickness, and I'm going to kill her children with death. We've got to preach a pure message, guys. And we've, got to, and, 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 and we've got to give all of our hearts to God. And if you're struggling in any of those areas, say, Jesus, come and deal with me. His heart is not condemnation towards someone that's wrestling with one of those issues and seeking victory. But when a message, when license to sin is being preached from a pulpit, pulpit Jesus hates it. Hates it. And if we don't deal with it, he's going to. So. What does Jesus say to respond when you see these things in the church? Endure to the end. Don't quit. Don't give up. When things boil, when things get hot, when people start ticking you off and start hurting you, keep forgiving, keep releasing mercy, keep believing Jesus, and keep walking in love. And he who endures to the end shall be saved. Number three, the third place Jesus wants us to watch, the Middle East. Say the Middle East. Very good. Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation. A a worldwide dictator that we commonly know as the Antichrist is going to stand in a rebuilt temple in modern-day Jerusalem and claim to be God and demand the worship of the nations. Um, False Christs and false prophets will arise during this time um, performing signs and wonders and that will deceive many, and these are the words of Jesus, if possible, even the elect. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Just because someone does something cool doesn't mean they're Jesus. <laughs> okay. That's my roadmap for not being deceived. Um, <laughs> um, Jesus says, if you're in Judea, if you happen to be in Israel during that time, flee to the mountains. Just, there you go. Pray that it's not on the Sabbath. The airports will be closed. <laughs> um, they shut down over there. <laughs> I don't know how much. I've never been, but sorry here. But anyway, um, um, so watch this. Watch the Middle East. And I want to mention a trend, too, that's happening in the Middle East, that's happened in, a, in our generation, that I think is the most significant timing indicator of the Lord's return that we have yet to see so far is the reemergence of a political state of Israel. 1948, this nation just comes back out of the ashes after 
1,800 years of, of, being, of, of not having any power, in, of the Jewish community not having any power influence in that region at a political level. Jesus connects the repentance and revival of Jewish political and spiritual leaders to his return. Matthew 23, he, say, he comes to Jerusalem and he's saying, I've longed to gather you as children, as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you're unwilling. And he said, Jerusalem, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is telling at that moment, he's saying, Jerusalem, I will not come back here and fulfill all those prophetic promises that your prophets spoke of until you recognize me as your Messiah and your King. And I tell you today that the Messianic Jewish remnant in the nation of Israel is a massive sign that we are approaching the Lord's return. There is a 24-7 house of prayer in Jerusalem crying out day and night, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Friends, we are on the cusp. I believe that I will, if, 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 if I live out the length of my life, that I will physically see the return of Jesus. And I don't say that because of what I feel or what I've, some personal revelation. I say that because I'm looking at the signs that Jesus talked about. I'm getting a biblical understanding of what he's doing. Um, multitudes of believers are starting to come into Israel. So the last place Jesus told us to watch, the sky. Say the sky. just want to read this with you. And you've actually, if you have your Bible, Matthew 24, 29. Very important. Matthew 24, verse 29. Signs in the sky. Jesus says, immediately after, say after. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then, say then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see, they will see, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And he will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of heaven. After the tribulation of those days, a trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to physically appear in the sky. Friends, this will not be a secret event. That's the deception he's talking about in Matthew 24. People say, Jesus secretly appeared over here in the desert. Jesus secretly appeared over here. <laughs> and come, come with us because Jesus has secretly appeared to us. And they'll, they'll deceive. Many, many, many will be deceived, he said. Don't be deceived. He said, my, my appearance in the sky and my coming will be so visible, every eye will see my coming. So when you see that, know that he's right there. <laughs> so the last sign is me. <laughs> so, so, so we watch, we watch the world. We watch the church. We watch the Middle East. We watch the sky. We watch the world. We watch the church. We watch the Middle East. 
we watch the sky. One more time. We watch the world. We watch the church. We watch the Middle East. We watch the sky. Because we want to know the time frame. Jesus said, when you see all of these things happen in one generation, that generation will not pass away until these things come. So when? I've given you a time frame. Now what do we do with that? (laughs) Because if I just tell you when and a lot of information and doesn't uh, uh, translate into something practical, I haven't done you any service. So how? How shall we prepare? How shall we prepare for this great and terrible day of the Lord? Watch. Simple. Watch and pray, Jesus says. And he outlines a few practical things. But watch is the main thing. How do we watch? We search out the scriptures. Friends, a lot of, of what we, um, of, of when this day is coming and how to prepare is in red letter. From the very mouth of Jesus. He thought this was really important. This is one of his longest sermons in, in our recorded scripture, second only to Sermon on the Mount, is these two chapters right here. And, and he wants his bride ready for that wedding day. Um, so see, search out the scriptures. Listen to, to, um, to teaching, anointed teaching. This is anointed teaching. I'm not the only one, but it is anointed. <laughs> Just letting you know. Um, be anointed observers as we, as we watch events and trends that are happening in the world. Um, as all these things I mentioned, current events, have a biblical worldview and perspective. But also remember to respond in the way Jesus says, because it's real easy to get in fear and despair when you start looking at a lot of negative. And the negative is the reality. We can't stick our head in the sand just because we're afraid to see something scary. We've got to face it with faith and hope love prayer prayer watch jesus we are sons and daughters that can boldly approach the throne of grace and begin watching god on his throne and saying lord what are you doing what are you feeling what are you saying right now the danger of not watching is that we will be taken off guard from these events and we will suffer unnecessary loss 2 Thessalonians 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. It should not take us as a thief. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. If he hits you as a thief in the night, that means you weren't prepared. He's coming to the world as a thief, but he's coming to you as a bridegroom king. It should be expecting and longing for him. So you are not in darkness. Therefore, let us watch, watch, watch. And be sober. <laughs> Just thinking, uh, Little Mermaid, the the seagull. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. It's my favorite Disney movie. It is. Um, so watch Jesus in Revelation sixteen fifteen. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So if we do not watch, we will suffer loss. Watch. Watch and pray. And here are some practical things Jesus says in getting ready in Matthew 25. And I want you to read it at home, pour over it, meditate on it. I'm just briefly going to mention. 
um, he gives three parables and then some other things to talk about. First of all, a, the, a faithful and evil servant. Who is the wise and the faithful servant that watches over the master's house while he is away? I like to just put it this way. Steward people well. Whether you're a, a pastor in a church, whether you're a, a, a small group or a prayer group leader, whether you do one-on-one discipleship at a coffee shop or while you're fixing a car, <laughs> just talking about Jesus, um, or whether you're at home and God's entrusted you with, with, with a family, with kids, to train up in righteousness, steward them well, love them well, and prepare them well for the return of Jesus. The wise and foolish virgins, steward your heart well. Steward your time. Cultivate the oil of intimacy. One thing is necessary. Sitting at his feet, watching him, and hearing him, hearing his words. And then the parable of the talents. Steward your resources well. Steward your money well. Well, I don't have a lot of money. Be faithful with little. And he will trust you with more. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And last of all, Matthew 25, when he comes, he will sit on his throne and he will separate the sheep and the goat nations. And those that cared for the least of these will enter into everlasting life and those that did not into everlasting punishment. The sick, the naked, the imprisoned. Take care of people. You know, and I think Jesus is particularly talking about people in the church. Because he calls them my brethren. What you do to the person next to you, you do to Jesus. What you don't do for the person next to you in need, you don't do for Jesus. Give, serve, love, watch and pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that it is your desire and your pleasure for us to know you, to know your heart. And God, I ask for a longing for your presence to grip us in in a deeper, greater way. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you for a longing to grip us for the presence of a physical manifest Jesus on this earth. And that, God, you would make us anointed watchers. That you would give us eyes to see. And that, Lord, our hearts would be filled with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That we would be a holy and blameless bride for our King when he comes. Without offense. Without offense. And even now, God, just offense that has been weighing down the hearts of anyone in this room, I ask for you to come and put your finger on that right now. And church, I'm just asking with you, if you'll, if you'll ask the Lord with me to say, Jesus, I'm ready to let go of this thing. I'm ready to let go of this person. I'm ready to love again.
Come heal my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.